Welcome to Stuff We Love Podcast. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Stuff We Love Podcast. It's time for another music episode. I am Scott, and I'm here tonight with my co-host, Joe. Joe, how are you? Doing all right. Hi, everybody. And we are honored and thrilled to be joined again by returning champion, Scott. Scott is a guest on all of our musical episodes. How are you, Scott? Great, Scott and Joe. Thanks for inviting me again. Always a privilege to be on the Stuff We Love podcast. Thanks, man. It's great to have you here tonight. And on tonight's episode, we're going to be putting together our holiday playlist, our ideal holiday playlist. Now, we've done this for Halloween. We've done this for 1960s music. And it's only fitting since we're in the holiday season that we do one for holiday music. And we're going to have a great time. These episodes are always a lot of fun. Before we get to that, though, just like we do in all episodes this year, I want to check in with everyone and see how you're doing. Uh, we'll start with Scott. How are you doing uh, right now? Everything okay in 2020? Yep. yep, doing pretty great. Trying to wrap up the work year, um, have like performance reviews I'm writing. So that's keeping me up late at night, you know, making sure everyone, you know, gets the feedback they deserve for the year, um, which was a wild year to say the least, you know, everyone yeah. working virtually and things like that. But Yep, just trying to wrap everything up and looking forward to um, starting off 2021 really well and looking forward to chatting some holiday tunes tonight. Sounds great. That's that's perfect. And uh, Joe, how are you? Uh, you know, same as uh, same as always doing uh, just waiting for the year to end and uh, hoping for some better times next year as well. And, you know, I, I can't complain too much. So I can, but I won't. How about that? <laughs> Let me ask you guys a question. I want both of you to answer this. Speaking of looking ahead to the end of the year, on New Year's Eve, do you, any of you watch the Twilight Zone Marathon? That's on TV. Absolutely. Yep. Definitely. Yes. That never gets old. I look forward to that every New Year's Eve, even though you can watch the episodes at any time on Netflix or Hulu, whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Like, cause yeah, you can just watch them wherever. Like I, I used to own the DVDs. I think I don't, I probably haven't buried like in a tote somewhere down in the basement, but cause you can stream now, but it's the, um, the randomness of it. That's why I like the radio station sometime too. Like you don't know what order they're going to pop up when, right. you know, I just, I just love that. Like the mystery of what episode they're going to show. It also makes it feel to me a little bit more like the holidays because you know, that's going to come on. Like you put that channel on all the, you know, it's always going to be twilight zone. Or on, on Christmas Eve, you put the channel on, it's going to be a Christmas story or something like that. It's like, it, it puts me in a better mood. I actually like watching it that way a little bit more even than having that on DVD. I agree. I completely understand what you guys mean. Um, I look forward to it as well. I'm, look, I'm looking forward to watching this year. I also seem to watch a lot of James Bond movies on New Year's Eve. It seems like they're on TV a lot. I don't, and on Pluto TV now, you have this 24-7 channel of James Bond nonstop. It just shows his movies over and over again. It's awesome. It's a lot of fun. I love the bonds. Um, I was just talking about bond the other day. Cause I think um, on Amazon, you can stream them all right now as well. And for, if you have prime and I was thinking like, I, I just have like my same, like seven, eight, nine bond movies that are my go-to. Like there's yes. actually some, I still haven't even seen, believe it or not, because every time I start a new bond marathon, like I always start with Dr. No and for much with love and Goldfinger. And then I jump ahead a little bit. I just watch the same eight movies every time. So I need to expand on that a little bit. So before we get to the playlist episode, speaking of Bond and in honor of the late Sean Connery, who we lost this year, what are both of your favorite Sean Connery, James Bond movies? Joe, we'll start with you. Oh, that, that's a very tough, tough question. Um, I'm, I'm not going to say Dr. No, because I'm sure I think Scott's going to say that. But <laughs> um, I, I will say uh, I'll say Goldfinger just for the iconicness of the character and the movie itself. Right. Um, you know, I, I didn't even hate uh, the one from the 80s that he did when he came back a little bit. But Diamonds Are Forever? Was it that yeah, one? Or? Yeah, Diamonds Are Forever. I didn't even hate that. I mean, I like them all, but I, I guess I would say Goldfinger for my favorite Sean Connery Bond movie. Right. And Scott? Um, Joe's right. Um, I was between Goldfinger and Dr. No, so I'm going to take Dr. No. And when you think about Dr. No, it's not really like that great of a film, but I just love the the traditions that start, you know, like his drink order, saying his name. It's not even him who actually says his name the way, you know, Bond, James Bond. It's the girl he's playing cards with and her name isn't ringing a bell for me right now. You know, I've seen that movie a hundred times, but I just like the, all the starts of his, um, you know, his regular tradition start in that movie. And I just, I just love it. What about you, Scott? It's a tough call because I do love the, the, the Connery Bond movies. I, I was, I, I would say Dr. No, probably 
for the reasons you've mentioned, Scott, but I love Goldfinger. It's classic. And I love Thunderball. Thunderball to me, I just, and what I love about Thunderball are the underwater sequences. That kind of is what distinguishes that movie. One of the best scenes in Thunderball is where I guess he climbs out of whatever body of water he was in, in a wetsuit, and then he takes it off and his tuxedo is impeccably on him. It's just (laughs) unbelievable. It's a great James Bond scene. Scott, I think you got a new Stuff We Love podcast episode, Bond and the movies and the music. We could talk about the music too, like your top three Bond songs or something like that. Yes, that's that's actually a great idea. And it's really interesting because I I guess I heard this somewhere. I forget where it was, but I believe that on Goldfinger, the title track, Jimmy Page plays guitar on that track. I'd heard that from a reputable source. I forget who that source was, but it was reputable. Trust me. <laughs> That's awesome. So uh, guys, tonight here, uh, here's what we're going to be doing. And uh, I'm going to tell our listeners uh, that are joining us what, how this is going to work. So the idea tonight is that the three of us are each going to contribute about four or five songs, maybe more. We'll see how it goes related to the holidays. Could be Hanukkah songs, Christmas songs, whatever we choose. And the, uh, we're going to talk about what song, what the song title is, who the artist is that we would have performed the song because Many of these songs have been done by multiple artists, and um, and why we why it is that we chose that song, and uh, I I kind of could guess what some of us are going to choose. I'm looking forward to. There's always surprises on these episodes. There are always surprises, and uh, we'll go from there. Um, Scott, you are the ultimate guest. We are thrilled to have you here tonight. And with that, I am going to turn to you to start things off. What is the first song you're mentioning tonight? And by the way, before you do that, let me clarify me if I'm wrong. This is not necessarily a first choice. This is just a track you put on the playlist. Exactly. Um, There's a reason why I have this song first though, um, the one I'm about to speak of. And it kind of goes back to our Halloween playlist that we did. Like we agreed that we weren't going to put like Monster Mash on because like it's the ultimate like Halloween song. Everyone would have that on a playlist. The song I'm going for this kickoff, I think everyone would have on their playlist playlist like when i hear this i know i'm ready to go into the holiday season okay um and it's uh it's the most wonderful time of the year by andy williams like Love that, that is choice just, yep, that, definitely that's just like the ultimate holiday song for me you know when i hear that on like you hear the swinging drums and everything the big band playing i just like i just get full of excitement um released in 1963 i believe he is the original artist of that uh that that tune obviously with all these songs we're going to talk about tonight there's been plenty of covers um, but I believe his is the original as the ultimate holiday song for me. And um, I believe that I, I say this with a high degree of certainty that one of the things Andy Williams was known for, I guess, in the 60s were these Christmas TV specials. And I think a lot of them are streaming on Amazon, which is very cool. That, that, that could be right. Yeah. I might have to look into that after uh, we're done recording. Yeah. And I think this song, may, the reason I mentioned it is because I think the song may have premiered on one of those episodes, but it's a great song. Uh, I love that track. I love what it represents because like you said, it just gets you in the mood for everything that's going to be going on. We're missing it a little bit this year because of what's going on in the world, but it'll be back uh, certainly next year. And it's still here now in in a lot of ways too. Um, We may have more Andy Williams mentioned tonight, but uh, I'm trying not, I'm personally not trying to duplicate artists, but like his whole holiday album is just really classic, but this is the one that really stands out for me. He had such a very smooth, classic voice nothing rough just pure crooner yep joe what are your thoughts on that track i know you're i think it's a i think it's a great pick and i actually i completely agree with uh, scott that it really just put that's one of the first ones you hear and it puts you in the mood right away you know it's it's it is it's it's time for the holidays when that's on it's a great opening selection scott thank you for that and uh joe what's your first track mentioned tonight all right my first track I actually, I thought a lot about this and what I didn't want to do was give the most obvious Christmas tracks, but, but I will say, but I, I could not have any Christmas playlist without uh, Frank Sinatra's Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas and specifically the version from Christmas with the Rat Pack, not from A Jolly Christmas with, with Frank. There's a, there's a complete difference in the tracks and mm-hmm. he's obviously recorded it multiple times, but when I hear that version from christmas with the rat pack which is just one of the most unbelievable christmas albums of all time you, you should definitely look at it it's, it is streaming on amazon actually um you know he starts off there's no music it's 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 just his voice and then the arrangement that they have in there it's like to me it's like the perfect christmas song so i, I even though i didn't want to have these stu- these you know amazing classics i couldn't put a list together without that song 
Scott, what's your reaction to Joe's uh, opening selection? I, I have some Sinatra on my list too there, Joe. Like, and, and you're absolutely right. Like with the way that that arrangement is made too with his, his vocal, the start, um, it's just, it's perfect. And I love that song. It's a well-written song. And when you tie Sinatra's name to any of these songs, really, you know, it's going to be a classic and that, that one is right up there. So couldn't agree more. So uh, I have a couple things to say about this song because this happens to be my favorite Christmas song of all time. It's just a beautiful, beautiful song. And first thing I would say is that if you download the app for AccuRadio, there is a, a station that you can favorite so you can easily find it that 24-7 plays different versions of Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. That's the whole theme of the station. That's a great station. And it's really fun because even I, I listened to it the other day and within 15, 20 minutes, I heard new versions, including one with a uh, Latin music flavor, jazz flavor. So you really get a taste of how this has been done. Uh, the other thing I'd mention about this is that this is a classic example of a Christmas song that lends itself to different interpretations because you have the Sinatra versions, which are beautiful. You have the Judy Garland version, which I guess is the original. And then another version that comes to mind that I really like is James Taylor doing it on his Christmas album, which is really great. Mm -hmm. And then if you go to the Stuff We Love podcast YouTube page, my wife and I attended a 98 Degrees holiday show maybe two years ago, and you get to hear 98 Degrees sing this song. And it just lends itself to so many different styles, jazz, R&B, whatever it may be. So I, I love this song. It's a well-written song. It is and great. To your last point there, like how you can have a jazz, Latin, R&B, like um, as we know on the Stuff We Love podcast, we're all Disney nuts here too. And like one of my favorite things to do, Scott, and you know this, is I'll go to the resorts and I'll just sit around at a lounge, have a couple of cocktails, and I'll just listen to the background loop and try to yes. recreate it when I get home. And like in the holiday season, you know, you're at the contemporary, you're getting all these like different types of versions or songs or at the Riviera, you're getting all these like, you know, Italian versions of these songs. And I just that's what one of my favorite things about Christmas and holiday music is that you can turn any song into so many different genres and versions. And I, and I just love it. And, uh, you know, you mentioned the Riviera resort. I've been listening to that playlist that you sent to me that you compiled of the Riviera holiday music. And that's amazing. Cause I've heard so many different versions of these songs that we know that I've, I've never heard them before. Mm -hmm. So there's the thing about holiday music is that there are so many great versions out there. It's, it's a genre that lends itself to music discovery. It just, you could go down a rabbit hole with all this stuff. For sure. So uh, Joe, great choice. I love, uh, I love your opening selection. Thank you. And I Where get you a sense you're, you're, you're not going to love mine <laughs> because we've talked about this. I, I knew it. I know what this is going to be. I'm, I'm I got to do it. I got to do it. And that selection is wonderful Christmas time by uh, Paul McCartney. Now I wonder, actually, I should know this. I'm embarrassed to not know this, but is that credited to Paul McCartney and wings or is that no. just, no, it's, it's on right after Wings broke up, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's listed as Paul McCartney. Yeah. So it was his first single after Wings' last album in like 79, I think. Right. It, it was on my list too, Scott. So I did a little research before the show. So. There you go. There you go. <laughs> and why did I put this on the playlist? A couple of reasons. One, I know people are not crazy about it. They find the words to be repetitive and a little bit annoying. But to me, that voice, when that kicks in and you hear McCartney in 1979, the way his voice sounds, I just love that voice. It's just, there's something about it where you're like, oh man, one of the greatest voices of all time. I love the melody. I think it's catchy. I love the way he brings in the, the choir sounds. And um, to me, it's just a celebration of the season. It's fun. It's getting together, having a good time. And I love in the song, the, uh, I know Scott, you liked it when I sang, someone's watching me, right? Somebody's watching yeah. me on the Halloween episode. So I'm going to do a little yeah. singing now. Okay, I, love the I love the part of the song at the end. Wonderful Christmas time. You know, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? The way they raised the note there. I just think that's so great. Um, that's I why like I the instrumental piece where it's like, do, 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 do. <laughs> like the, yeah. instrument, the instruments on that track are so great to me. It's really awesome. And um, in terms of cover versions, a couple of them that have come out recently that I really like are, John Pizzarelli, the jazz artist, released an album called Midnight McCartney, and he does a really good jazz version of the track. And um, Paul McCartney appears actually with the group Straight No Chaser, who's a vocal group doing a version of the song, which I really like. And Jimmy Buffett does a good version as well. You, um, I think that was on one of the playlists you sent me that you made, Scott, and I, that popped up. And I was like, I've never heard this before. Like, yeah, I think this is Paul, but like, it sounds like a cover. Like, it was it was interesting. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, so I take it Joe doesn't like this track, by the way you set that up. I, I you know, I, I'm not going to say anything uh, about the song. Scott knows how I feel about it, but <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's, got, it's a good choice for a Christmas list. I can't deny that. It just, for me personally, it's my least favorite Christmas song of all time. <laughs> I really can't stand this song. That's how it is, though. You, it's a really like you love it or hate that kind of track. I know so many people that dislike it so much. I mean, there are a few other ones who I that I really don't like, even though they're you know classics. And I admit this is considered a classic. I just I just can't stand it. I really don't like it. <laughs> That's okay. That, <laughs> stuff we don't love podcast. <laughs> well, we don't have enough time for that episode. <laughs> um well that's good i like the way this is going though this is an exciting start and uh scott what do you have next so i know scott you kind of kicked it off saying like there might be some obscure like versions like i kind of went like traditional not traditional but like with pop kind of poppy songs everyone knows you know let's just kind of what i went with today and i'm going to stick with the rock and roll genre here with with you doing paul and I'm going to 1975 and I'm doing the E Street Band, Bruce Springsteen, the E Street Band. I love their version of Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Mm-hmm. Um, with um, my first pick, that Andy Williams track, this is the second song that always gets me in that Christmas mood. Like, I, I can't celebrate the holiday season until I hear the song come on the radio, basically. And you know it instantly. Like, you hear the jingle bells kind of shaking in the background and Bruce, you know, chatting with the team. He talks to Clarence about, has he been good? You know, is he going to give him a saxophone? Like, I love that little chatter in the beginning. Then um, just turns into an awesome rock and roll cover of it. There's been so many versions of this song. I really like the Jackson 5. Um, they do a great version. Um, the Crystals, like a 1960, I think, 60 band. They worked with, like, Phil Spector. I think Bruce's version is kind of, like, based on that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of follows that cadence, but uh I just love it. And I love the little end, like the little tribute to Jingle Bells too, like on the, on the, on the piano there. I think it's a nice touch. Great selection. Joe, what's your take on uh, this track? I think that's a great selection. It really is, you know, it's a quality, uh, quality song. And when you're listening to it, it's like, just like you said, with the spoken word in the beginning and the intro and everything, it's almost like you're sitting there at a concert where, you know, he's, he's performing the song. It's uh it's interesting because I actually was going to say that song as one of my, you know, songs that I really like. And when I mentioned that to my wife, she basically said that she couldn't stand that song. <laughs> and every time it comes on, she changes the channel. And this is from someone who listens to Christmas music literally all of December, nonstop. And it just, so it just, again, shows, goes to show how different songs are different, you know, for, for different yeah. people. So. That's what's great about the the yeah. holiday songs, you that, know. There's great choice, different yeah. versions, and you know, like it, it can please a lot of people and upset a lot of people. But um, yeah, that's great. What do you think, Scott? Well, I love this track, and uh, two things that really stand out to me about it are the way that the instruments create imagery. Like just listening to the track and hearing Bruce's spoken word introduction, you could picture it. You could picture a street covered in snow just the way it looks like we're going to have in the Northeast in a couple hours with this massive snowstorm. (laughs) And um, I do, I think you mentioned it, Scott, but Clarence's sax solo on the track. Oh yeah. It's just so great. And he really did a great job on all of Bruce's tracks, but the Christmas songs, just like the version that the E street band does the cover version of Merry Christmas, baby, the Mm -hmm. way in the middle of the song, Clarence's saxophone goes, like he incorporates another example of jingle bells being worked into the other track so it's really awesome i I love that good selection yeah thank you joe what do you got okay so since we're kind of keeping in the rock theme the next song that i want to talk about is uh by trans-siberian orchestra christmas eve sarajevo 1224 which is it's an instrumental track um which is constantly played during the holidays Scott, you know, you know how much I love Trans-Siberian Orchestra. We've seen them in concert multiple times. Um, I used to go every year, but I, I, I don't even know how many times I've seen them. But it's just, to me, this is one of those good rock songs that is still an instrumental Christmas song that they still play on the radio. You don't even think they would play something like that. But it, it endures through the holidays. It's in commercials. Um, definitely something that I recommend everybody listen to at least a couple times every December. Well, listen, I love that track to me. TSO has a very special place in my heart because of those times that we saw them. Uh, One of my best concert memories ever was arriving to one of the TSO shows with you, Joe, and discovering that we literally had front row seats. 
Yes, front row, right up to the to the thing. They were looking at you know playing around with us the whole time. And do you remember who the special guest was? On that epi- on that concert, I believe it was Roger Daltrey. Correct, correct. Yes, which is pretty amazing. And the other, do you remember the guest the other time we saw them? The other time we saw them, um, I'm drawing a blank on it right now. Steven Tyler. Steven Tyler. I remember look, you looked at me and, th- and we actually thought it was going to be Paul McCartney because of, I think he was in town that time. Right. There was something what, that made us think that. And what they usually do is they bring in a special musical guest from, you know, whoever's maybe playing a show. If we saw them in New Jersey and someone was in New York at the garden that night, they bring somebody in and play a couple songs. So um, I, I, I remember thinking it was going to be Paul McCartney, but it ended up being Steven Tyler. That's right. But we saw Roger Daltrey. They sang, I think it was three or four Who songs yes. at the end of that concert with him right in the front row. It was awesome. sweet. Yeah, it was really, it was great. Uh, and it's a great selection. The song is awesome. It's very mesmerizing. It sucks you in. You kind of get in a trance listening to it. It's a very powerful, emotional song, but uh, dramatic, very dramatic. It is very dramatic, which is exactly what Trans-Siberian Orchestra is. It's, right. You know, that's kind of, they do it on purpose. And, um, you know, they take a lot of classical music and turn it into Christmas songs. And this is basically Carol of the Bells, but with rock guitars and, and full, you know, loud volume and everything. And it's just, uh, you know, I like Carol the Bells as a song anyway, if I'm going to listen to an, like a classical music type of Christmas song. And mm-hmm. this really just, it makes it better for me in, in my opinion. So I really like, uh, that, that's my next pick. Great selection. Great Scott, what do you think? Yeah, of I, I can't pick? say much more than what you two have, but it made me think of a story. I want to ask you two a question. Um, my brother really likes TSO and I think he went to a concert once, but it was after Christmas. And I kind of said to him, this is like several years ago, like maybe even 10 years ago. And I kind of said to him, like, why would you want to go see like this Christmas show after Christmas? Like, aren't you kind of burned out on Christmas music at that point? I want to ask you to like, how do you feel about that? Like when Christmas is over, like, are you just done with the Christmas music or do you like, how long do you continue listening to these tracks? Can I ask you a question, Scott? When you said he saw it after Christmas, were you talking about months later or a few days later? It was like a few days later, like the 28th or something like okay. that. It was just a few days later. <laughs> That's a great question, by the way. I love that question. Uh, Joe, you go first. I was going to say that doesn't bother me at all. Um, I, I still listen to Christmas. I listen to Christmas music all year round, actually. I, if it's in July and I feel like listening to, you know, Frank Sinatra's Christmas album, I'll put it on and, and just enjoy it for what it is. So I, I know that when TSO, Trans-Siberian Orchestra, got really big and popular, they had to add all these dates on. They never used to play after Christmas. It used to be a thing leading up to Christmas. They would always end their tour in New York City because that's where they're from and, and New Jersey. And they've added these dates on. They even split into two tours to then cover the whole country. And I mean, you know, if you have to see them a couple of days after Christmas, to me, that's not an issue. I've <laughs> I've actually seen them play non-Christmas music in concerts in the summer before. So, you know, to me, they're, it's not just a Christmas thing, but I, I, I would have no issue seeing them December 28th, for example. It doesn't bother me. It, um, to me, and it, the way I look at the holiday music is I listen to it certainly November and December, and that lasts through New Year's Eve. And even a little bit on New Year's Day. After New Year's Day, I tend to take a break from it. But that being said, I have read that the most popular day, I have a hard time believing this, but the most popular day for streaming holiday music online is June 25th, which is six months in advance of Christmas. So it's kind of fun at some point in the year to just delve into a couple of your favorite Christmas tracks because it gives you a taste of what's coming. And um, yeah, so generally speaking- It's cheerful, right? And it's cheerful. It brings good memories, you know? So my wife and I were talking about that this morning while we're driving around doing some errands because we were talking about recording the show. And she's like, man, like we're just rattling off all these songs. She's like, man, Christmas music is so great. Like we should just listen to it more. And like, there's no rule that says you can't. I think Sirius XM, I think has like online streaming like stations that are always like 24 seven, you know? Like, like, and it's, I think it just puts you in a good mood. Um, It's not to be like funny, but it's jolly good music, you know? So like listen to it all the time, go for it. Well, Scott, you just gave me an idea. After I mentioned my next track, I'm going to, we'll take like an intermission and talk about, it'll be released on the podcast. It's not like a fake intermission where we're going to go <laughs> grab a drink by the bar, but it'll be like, uh, we'll talk about how we're, we consume the holiday music, which is a good, good thing. All right. Sounds so, good. So uh, great selection. Um, now I want you guys to picture this for my choice. I was reading about this online. So imagine going to the record store in December 1984 when this song came out and buying the single that this was on. And it's a double A side single. One of the tracks is Everything She Wants. 
And the other track is Last Christmas by Wham. <laughs> Do singles get much better than that combo? I would say no. <laughs> I, I would say no. Silence on the other end makes me <laughs> think that you would say otherwise. No, that's a good song. I'm, you're so you're going with Wham's version though. Huh? I'm going with Wham's version of Last Christmas. So I know you're a big Taylor Swift fan. I believe she has a version out there as well. <laughs> Let's take a moment to acknowledge the fact that Taylor Swift has just released Evermore, her sequel to Folklore. Uh, when the episode I did with Joe reviewing Folklore remains one of the most popular <laughs> Stuff We Love podcast episodes ever. So we have to do ever more soon. So I just want to take a moment to thank the great Taylor Swift. But uh, yes, Scott, you are correct. We're big fans. Uh, I love Taylor's version of the song. It's very fun. It's very upbeat, uh, very countryish. She recorded that very early on in her career when she released her holiday um, EP. But uh, I would go with the original, the, the George Michael uh, vocal version. The reason I, I love it, first off, the music video is great. If you guys go on YouTube, they remastered the music video and it looks fantastic. So, so check that out. But the song, I think it's a beautiful song, both melodically and lyrically. Of course, the lyrics are talking about getting together with someone and giving that person your love and your devotion, and then it falls apart and where that leaves you. And the video ties in well to those lyrics. But uh, melodically, I think it's just unbelievably catchy. I, I, it's a song that goes unexpected ways in my mind, both lyrically and melodically. And uh, it's George Michael in his prime. His voice was impeccable on that track. Um, and to me, it's just, it's a song that I kind of forget about when it comes to holiday songs the rest of the year. And then when December, November, December roll around, I keep going back to that track because it sounds so good. So uh, I can't argue that's not a good track. Isn't there like a, like a contest or something? Like you get whammed or something when you listen, when you hear it for the first time, like you have to try to avoid listening to it every Christmas. I think that's the song, but um, I don't know about that. That sounds yeah. like, it sounds, yeah, that's like yeah. something that's there. But I, I like it actually. You know what? I didn't have it on my list, but um, I was talking about my wife earlier, how we we're kind of talking about these. And that was one she brought up. Like she mm -hmm. really likes that song and it, it is good. It's catchy. It's so 1980s, right? <laughs> like that, it is that 1980s. Beat, like the instruments, like, no, it's a good song. It's it's really catchy. And that's what I really like about Christmas music. Like you find a good melody, like the lyrics could be eh, iffy or whatever, but like the melodies are so catchy and that, that is definitely one of them. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a great track. Um, Joe, what do you think? It's a good song. I mean, it's not one of my top Christmas songs personally, but I don't hate it as much as the McCartney one. So I'll give you that. I mean, this, this song right. to me is like the definition of is saying it's big in Europe or something, you know, it, I think this actually is the most popular European Christmas song, uh, Christmas song in Europe. Um, but it's good. You know, I don't go out of my way to listen to it, but I can, it's catchy. So if it's on, you know, light FM, when they turn the Christmas uh, music 24 hours a day right now, I'll listen to it. I don't turn the channel or anything, but it's not, uh, it's, it, you know, it's good. That's what I'll get. Understood. It's um, not going on my own playlist. I'll tell you that. It's going on this place and <laughs> that'll be it. That's a different, that's a different kind of playlist. Um, so uh, as I mentioned a second ago, Scott, you mentioned the um, Sirius XM having the 24 seven stations year round, and they definitely have holiday traditions as a year round station. When yeah. it comes to holiday music, how do you guys consume it? Do you go on the streaming services and load up playlists or albums? Do you tend to go to Sirius for the radio stations? Scott, we'll start with you. What's your primary way of con consuming? So the, the primary way would be Sirius XM, like channel 105, uh, Holly, I believe that's the station. Um, that's the one I, I listen to the most. Yeah. Um, but I like to listen to my own playlists. Um, I make a lot of those Disney ones I was talking about earlier. So it just kind of depends on my mood. Like, like when I'm working, I kind of like the instrumental, you know, kind of playlist, you know, just kind of like little background music. So that's when I'll go to Disney ones. Mm -hmm. um, even I'll even like load up YouTube and listen to like an Epcot background loop or something that's Christmas themed. Right. But, um, but I, I'd like to go to um, to Sirius XM or sometimes even I'll, I'll just listen to the local radio. Like uh, this time of year, a lot of like, you know, light rock stations or Doll Contemporary will turn to the Christmas. Then, you know, if, I'm not finding the song I want to hear on XM. I'll just switch over to the local one. And between like all the possible, you know, combinations of radio stations you can find, you're going to find one tune that you like that's playing at a time. So. And during the holiday season, what percentage of time do you say you listen to holiday music versus non-holiday music? Uh, I say it's about 75% holiday music. Yeah. Um, 
it, it definitely it's not a hundred percent of the time, you know, I got to get my Beatles fix, you know, <laughs> <laughs> things like that. McCartney but, three this Friday. Yeah, there. that's right. But um, yeah, I, I'd say uh, I go about 75% with the Christmas music. Very good. Joe, how about you? Well, for, for the percentage, I'd say that's probably about right. This year might be a little bit less only because of Taylor Swift's new album that I've been listening to and Ariana Grande's new album that I've been listening to and <laughs> things like that. So it's, you know, these, these surprise quick album drops have really taken me away from Christmas music, but in the, in the main part of it, I'd say most of my listening right now, which of course is mid December Christmas music all the time. And kind of what I, what I do the most is it, it changes when I'm in the car, it's serious XM, you know, channel 73, which is holiday traditions, channel 70, which is Hallmark radio, uh, channel 49, which is holiday soul, and 105, like Scott said, which, uh, you know, is a holly. Um, those are kind of the ones I listen to the most, although they just started, not just started, but they put on recently the country uh, Christmas station. I can't remember what it's called right now, Scott. Um, Good call out on 49. I love the soul one. Like that is one. Yeah. Holiday soul is great. I really like it a lot. And on the app, I actually listen to the app a lot when I'm uh, at the office. I like the jazz Christmas station, which started off not that great this year, but it improved a lot. And uh I also listen to one of, you know, Light FM in, in the New York area, which plays Christmas music constantly. Uh, as soon as Thanksgiving comes, it's 24 hours a day, Christmas music only. And they actually have a really good mix of traditional songs and new songs. And that's kind of, I, I like listening to that a lot. Plus the DJs who are on there are just great. Um, so that's something I like. And I also will listen to a lot of Amazon playlists. I, I, People who have listened to the show before know that I really love Amazon's playlists on Amazon Music, mm-hmm. and they really do a great job of uh, coordinating any kind of playlist you want. But for Christmas music, there's so many different music playlists; it's it's unbelievable. So there's always something that I can find. That's kind of the, that's really what I do, which is everything. <laughs> One of the things about streaming services for this, just going back, Joe, you mentioned earlier your first choice was the Sinatra song "Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas." When you go on certainly Apple Music and Spotify, and I'm sure it's the same on Amazon, and you search for Frank Sinatra, his most popular stuff is the Christmas music. And of course, that's going to apply right now because it's the holiday season. But even year round, I think he's, he was always known as a great interpreter of the holiday classics. And I think that's only increased in recent years. His, I, I find that really interesting because I listen to Sinatra all the time, both streaming on vinyl and all that stuff. And whenever I search for him on a streaming service, you get greatest hits and you get a couple of his landmark albums. But the Christmas compilations are always up there, which is really interesting to me. Uh, Like you guys, yeah, I'll just say, you know, right now it's probably 75, 25 in the holiday music preference for me. Sirius is great. Their selection of holiday stations is impeccable. It's the best I've seen out of all of the online radio services. And uh, I have some cool vinyls of Christmas albums. Seth MacFarlane released a vinyl of uh, his Christmas album a couple years ago on Record Store Day. I picked that up. That was a Black Friday release. And uh, Les Paul Paul and Mary Ford released a, um, I guess their estates released a holiday collection on vinyl. So I often go to that as well. So just, uh, I always like talking to people about how they consume music. I find that very interesting. Uh, Scott, what is your third selection for the playlist tonight? All right, my third selection. So... I was jokingly going to say before the show, like how many times is Home Alone going to get referenced tonight? So I'm going to be that guy. I'm going to pick a track that a lot of people probably think of Home Alone. Um, I will say before I announce what the song is, um, you know, Sinatra has a great version of this. I think, you know, almost listen, almost any classic Christmas song, I say Sinatra has a classic of this. Um, the original is Bing Crosby from a, from a particular movie of the title track, but uh I love White Christmas by the Drifters. I think ah, that version nice. is so phenomenal. And I, I mean, it's a lot easier to sing the Bing Crosby. Like I can, you know, I can try to imitate that one a lot easier. I just, I just love that, that rhythm. And um, it's, it's just a fun, catchy soon tune. It's a lot different than like Bing Crosby's, for example. It's a little more upbeat and cheerful, but uh, I just think it's a classic Christmas song. When we were talking, when, when we were thinking about the songs tonight, I said to myself, White Christmas is going to have to be on here. I'm not going to choose it. I want one of the other guys to choose it. And I can't wait to hear what version they choose. <laughs> and Scott, you've, you've chosen a great version. The Drifters version is phenomenal. I actually was not too familiar with it until Michael Buble released his Christmas album. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
did his version of White Christmas based on the Drifters version. But what I love about their version is it just has that classic 50s, 60s doo-wop feel. Yeah. Yep. And uh, it's it's tremendous. Great, great choice. Yep. Uh, Joe, when it comes to White Christmas, what's your go-to version? I mean, that's a good question. I mean, I guess the go-to version is the Bing Crosby classic version because that's what they play the most. But that, that's, a, that's a great choice, Scott, for the Drifters because you don't even really think about that. I actually forget that song even exists until it's on. And then you realize how great the doo-wop, you know, do 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 that, you know, it's great. Um, and then it gets trickier though, as the song goes on though, it gets a little more challenging to sing. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yes. I mean, there, there's, that, there's no question about that, but it's, it's one of those songs where it's great. That's a great choice. And then how can you not think of Kevin, like, you know, like singing into his home? Yep. <laughs> yes, that's right. When you said Kevin, I forgot Home Alone. I was thinking Wonder Years for a second. So I was thinking, what, what episode was that? But then, yes, yeah. you're right. Um, great, great choice, Scott, to start us off on the second half of the show here. Yeah. Uh, J- Joe, how about you? Um, well, you you actually just mentioned, uh, Scott, one of the artists for my next pick, which is Seth MacFarlane. And it's off of his second album which is his first christmas album and it's what are you doing new year's eve and i really like seth mcfarland's version of this he people think of him only as the family guy guy or you know the ted movie or something like that but he is actually an excellent singer and i think you can tell from my choices that i really like the old time crooner singers when they sing holiday music and he's he puts an album together that's just like that and it's perfect. And that version of what are you doing New Year's Eve to me is the perfect version. I was actually going to, was going between that and Casey Musgraves version, honestly. Yeah. And I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't not pick Seth MacFarlane because it's just that good to me. It's, it really sets the mood. It just from the orchestral arrangements that he has and the way he sings the song, it just makes you, this is the perfect holiday song to put on between Christmas and New Year's to, to really get in that, you know, winding down the season, getting into new year's and new year's Eve and everything. And it really just sets that mood for me. I really love his version. It's, it's gotta be my favorite version of that song. That's great. Uh, Scott, what is your reaction to that selection? So one of my favorite things about the stuff we love podcast is when you learn things that you don't know, like, I don't know if you can tell by like my reaction recording here on zoom, but uh, I am not familiar with that song and I'm really excited to, uh, go learn and check it out because you two have great, uh, you know, great opinions here. So I'm excited to give it a listen. The funny thing about that song is the author who originally wrote it in the forties wanted it to be sung in the summer because he was thinking of it as more of a, let's look ahead in the future and see, you know, if we're going to be together on New Year's Eve kind of thing. But now it's obviously become a holiday song and that's when everybody sings. I kind of like that concept though. Yeah, it's really great. Uh, you definitely take a listen to that. And I definitely recommend the Seth MacFarlane version, but also the Casey Musgraves. And I mean, I don't know how you feel about this, but Barbara Streisand actually even has a good okay, version of that awesome. as well. Yeah. Well, that's that's a great song. Uh, I It's a song I do know. It's not one I think of right away, but every time I hear it, I'm like, oh man, this is such a perfect song. Lyrically and melodically, it's just a gem of a track. So uh Unexpected selection, Scott. I mean, Joe, and I uh, I love that choice. That's awesome. Yeah, you, you can end the playlist with that. It's a perfect end <laughs> of playlist song. We it's had like the holidays. Home. Now we're getting together New Year's Eve. What are you doing New Year's Eve? I'm, I'm watching Twilight Zone and eating many hot dogs. Join me if you want. <laughs> By the way, let me ask you a question. On New Year's Eve, we talked about Twilight Zone and all that. Do you guys ever just bring, you have dinner, and then around 11 o'clock at night, you just make the worst food for you <laughs> imaginable in the microwave, you know, these like mini hot dogs and you know, like right. you could buy at the supermarket, those frozen egg rolls and potato puffs. That's like a New Year's Eve thing at, at my household. <laughs> at this point in my life, if I don't do that, I'm asleep. So I, I, <laughs> I won't make it up until until the, the balls drop. So I have to do stuff like that. That's true. That's true. It's going to be interesting New Year's Day. Like, I mean, I haven't paid too much attention, but the bowl games are going to be very interesting this year. And like, what's yeah. that? That's going to make an interesting New Year's Day, I feel like, this year. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see that. I'm looking forward to... Uh, seeing how that all plays out. Um, and then around that time, they're just backing out, you know, they're just canceling their game. So I wonder right. if we're going to see more of that as it gets closer. It's, and the question is, are they, are all the teams who are going to make a bowl even going to be able to play? If, exactly. Yeah. You know, what happens to those bowl games? Yeah. 
because yeah. I'm from Michigan and well, you guys are from up north too, like in the northeast area. Like I can't imagine like a lot of schools are going to want to go to Florida <laughs> to no. travel there and play a game. So it'd be really interesting. Then again, they just changed the rules to allow Ohio State to make the playoff. So you know, <laughs> if they can do that, they'll do anything. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> so guys, my next selection for the playlist here is by one of my favorite groups of all time, Boys to Men. They released a Christmas album. I guess it was their second studio album, Christmas Interpretations. And the lead single off that album was Let It Snow. Now, I do, it's a different version, different song than Let It Snow, Let It Snow, Let It Snow. That is the Christmas standard. Uh, I don't know if there ever was intended to be any similarity between this or if it's, if it's just its own standalone thing. Uh, they're joined on the track by Brian McKnight. And the reason I chose this song is because First off, I love Boys to Men. I've been a fan of them since the 1990s. And when that song came out, I just remember thinking to myself, oh, this is such a great track. It's so smooth. It's so cool. Their vocal performances on it are so just phenomenal. And uh, I kind of have a memory. I don't know if you guys remember this, of the music video for that song, fitting the lyrics very well. Fireplace burning, it's gathering around. That's uh, like every Boys to Men video, though. Every Boys to Men video. <laughs> That's a type of thing that has never happened in my life <laughs> on any occasion. But uh, it's it, it's what happens in Boys to Men videos. And uh, I just love the song. It also has musically a really unique ending where the group shows off their acapella, acapella sounds. If you remember, it's just nonstop interplay between their vocals the way it goes kind of, I, I don't know how similar it is, but I was going to say similar to the way they do the Beatles yesterday on their, their two album, but it's, it's different. I don't think that's a fair comparison, but I just love this track. It's not one that I think a lot of people think about nowadays, but for me, it's become sort of this holiday standard that I always go to when I think of my playlists. Um, Are you Joe, right, Scott? Yeah, if you go ahead. on like Apple music or Amazon, look at like playlists that people created. It's not one that comes up very often, but right. it is, a unique arrangement, um, which is, you know, which only boys, the men, I feel like are the only ones that could pull that off. Like it is a, it's a, it's a great song. Um, that would actually be my favorite version of that track as well. It's a great, you know, let us know is a great traditional Christmas song track, but uh, mm -hmm. boys, the men pulls it off the best. And that's my favorite. Uh, yeah, I have to agree. I, I agree, Scott, that, that is finally a choice that I can agree with, but uh <laughs> No, I, it's a great song. I, actually, if you just type in Boys to Men into Google, the that's one of the first things that, that comes up. So wow, many people must be searching for Let It Snow right now. But And the video is, it, you're absolutely right. It's a perfect Boys to Men video. It looks just like Boys to Men, every other video they make, but it's so 90s and the song just fits with it. I mean, it really, it's a great choice. Thank you. And Scott, you mentioned something interesting, which is that, even though Joe, you're right. When you Google it, it's one of the top things that comes up. You don't see it on a lot of playlists. And I'm wondering if the reason for that is when they released their Christmas album, it contained mostly originals. And to me, you need to have some, at least a few versions of Christmas standards to stand out when it comes to holiday releases. Like for example, the new Dolly Parton album, Holly Dolly Christmas, she does very famous well-known Christmas songs as well as several new tracks. And to me, that's kind of like the perfect music package and boys to men's Christmas interpretations. I don't think did that. And I think Michael Bublé did that with one, like his Christmas album, like 2011. Um, yes. I, which I had a track on here as like a possibility, but uh, he does some of your traditional ones and threw in some, some newer originals, which I really like too. So that, yeah, I that, think you have to do that. Yeah. I, I think to get a new, an original Christmas song on out right now, that's popular. I think you have to have an album of mostly standards. And right. then when people listen to it, you have that like, a, a choice I'm not going to say tonight, but I was thinking of, which is Underneath the Tree by Kelly Clarkson. If you look at uh -huh. that album and the Christmas, the track list that's on there, every other one of these songs, except for maybe one or two, are the standard songs you think of. But no one thinks of Kelly Clarkson as a Christmas singer. It, if you do, it's this song, Underneath the Tree, which is, you know, one of her most popular songs. And is that the first track on the album too? Like, I'm curious, like, do they put like the new one? Like, it's not the first track. They do have a different new one called Wrapped in Red. I'm looking at it at the track listing right now, which I've never even heard. Like, you know, you don't even think about that. But um, for some reason, the Underneath the Tree song, everybody knows that song. That's like one of the newer classic Christmas songs that you really don't even get anymore. And I think because if people release an, an album of original Christmas songs, nobody really finds that. 
Right. The only way I even find those are looking at end of year lists that Scott usually sends me. That's <laughs> one of the best Christmas albums of the year that you didn't think about. Right. So, you know, it's hard to find that kind of thing. Have you guys listened to the new Dolly Parton Christmas album, by the way, Holly Dolly Christmas? I listen to it. Yeah. It's, I like, I like it. There's a good Michael Buble duet track on there. Oh, really? Yeah. It, there's a lot of duet tracks and Michael Buble actually seemed to be having a very good time with his song there. That was good. <laughs> yes. Um, but I was surprised it's only her second Christmas album ever. Yes. The first one, was that was that with Kenny Rogers? I, I don't know if it was just the two of them or if it was her album and he just guessed it on a song. Okay, I don't know. interesting. Uh, Isn't well, it Scott, incredible like, how many pop artists, though, have like Christmas albums? Yes. <laughs> like, when you said yeah. that, I was thinking, like, I think Chicago has like four or five Christmas they do. albums. They do. Yeah. Some of those albums are really good, actually. Yeah. It's just It's just so funny to me. <laughs> Uh, Scott, what is your fourth selection this evening? All right. So this is a, like a traditional song. I think it was like even so old. This is such an old song. And um, I actually really don't like it. Okay. <laughs> it's very repetitive. Um, there's so many versions of it, but Straight No Chaser has a very unique version of this. Scott, you mentioned them earlier. And that's yeah. the 12 Days of Christmas, which I call you know, 12 Days of Christmas down in Africa because they throw in Toto's Africa in there. I think there's a... Uh, a reference to Hanukkah as well in this track as well. Um, it's just a unique twist. That's what I like about it. Like, you know, we all know the 12 days of Christmas. It's really repetitive, but they put a really unique spin on it, I feel like. And then they throw in Toto's Africa. Right. Uh, it's just it's, it's just a fun track to listen to. It's nothing like spectacular that, you know, I'm going to like quick pull over and, you know, start dancing or to it or whatever. But it's just it's just a fun song to listen to. So you, even though generally you're not crazy about the track, you chose this because of the the twist on it. That they took it from a totally new approach. The twist, yeah. You took um, you took twelve days of Christmas, and instead of like repeating all the days, you know, they just switched it up a little bit. There's some like banter going on back and forth between some of the you know the band, and then there's a Hanukkah reference, which I thought was unique. And then all of a sudden, boom, you're talking about Christmas down in Africa with like Toto. You know, so yeah. it's just. So way out there that that it makes me happy. I'm really glad you chose that because like you, I'm not crazy about that song. So I'm excited to listen to the Straight No Chaser version. I've never heard it. And, oh, really? Uh, see, I've not heard it. Yeah, so this yeah. is a good choice. I haven't heard it either. And I'm, I'll, I'll listen to it. And I agree, I'm not crazy about the song. But you know what you said, which is it makes you happy. And that's what Christmas music is supposed yeah. to do. So Totally. Yeah. I, um, I'm actually really surprised neither of you have heard this version. So I've not heard yeah. this version. Yeah, so basically, yeah, so I'm, I'm excited to hear your thoughts on it, but it starts off basically like 12 days of Christmas, and then there's some banter and all that, and then all of a sudden they're like, do, 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 then they talk about having Christmas down in Africa. It's pretty awesome. Tomorrow when Joe and I are staring at our office computers, thinking how we can do any type of work at all, <laughs> we'll listen to this track and we'll text you, let you know what we think. That's right. exactly what's going to happen. All right, looking forward to it. Joe, what's your fourth track tonight? Uh, my fourth track tonight... I. I have to go back to another one of the all-time classics, and there's a for me there's a specific reason, and that's it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas by Bing Crosby. I I was thinking of the Johnny Mathis version, but it doesn't it doesn't get me as much as the Bing Crosby version. It really, when I listen to the Bing Crosby version, it takes me back, even though I'm not I wasn't even alive then, but it really puts into my head the image of like a 1950s or 40s small town with a square in the middle of town with stores and a department store where you're walking around in the snow and you know, there's the, the five and 10 and, and toys for the kids. And it just really gets me in a good mood to think that Christmas is coming and it, you know, everybody's happy and you're just every, all the kids are waiting to get for Christmas to come. And that's what that song does to me. And I think the Bing Crosby version does it to me better than the Johnny Mathis version. Although Lately, I've only been hearing Johnny Mathis, which is not bad. I really like it. But to me, the Bing Crosby version of that is is superior. And to me, it's one of my favorite Christmas songs. I had to put it on my list. I second that the Bing Crosby version is better. But I'm right with you, Joe. Like, I only hear the Johnny Mathis version anymore. It seems yeah, like. I don't know what's going on. It's, it's Every time I hear it, it's Johnny Mathis only. Right. And I actually have to search out the Bing Crosby version. And when I but when I put it on, it makes me so happy that it, it just feels like it's in your head what Christmas is. Like That's what that song does to me. And your so. description of it was so great about like the 
you know, the, the department yeah. stores. And like, I just, I have that visual too. When you say that, then it gets me thinking about Christmas movies, which I believe on a recent podcast, you two were talking about Christmas movies and you love streaming them all the time. So yes. you two can relate to those, those Christmas movies. And that's like an essential Christmas movie song to me. Really. It really is. I love it. Uh, I, in my mind, I often go automatically to the Johnny Mathis version because like we were saying, that's that's kind of the go-to nowadays. But the Bing Crosby version is great. And what I love about it is even though the track was recorded presumably in the 1940s, I don't know, his vocal on it sounds really good. It sounds really clear. Better than you would think that for, yes. for a 1940s track. That's just kind of something. Maybe it's recent remastering that's done that. But uh, Crosby was great. You know, he is obviously known for his interpretations of Christmas songs. But he was Frank Sinatra's favorite singer yep. when Sinatra was growing up, which makes it really cool that they got to star together in uh, High Society, which was one of my favorite Frank Sinatra movies. But um, I think it's a great choice. I, I, I approve 100%, Joe. Well, thank you. It makes me feel better. And that's like that's like the kind of songs, like we've been talking about these like 40s versions and 50s versions. Like, Scott, I, know I have another Disney playlist to send you, like Hollywood Studios. Disney's Hollywood Studios has yeah. all those like 1940s, 50s versions. Like if you go down Sunset Boulevard, that's all yes. you hear. And, I, and no, that's actually one of my all-time favorite playlists, actually. Uh, I'll have to send that over to you. Send that to me. I would love to listen to that. I just love those. Those like you have like the full orchestra playing in the background, like Perry Como and all those. Like I just love those those versions yeah. of songs. That's awesome. Um, so for my fourth selection tonight, I have a, a song that Bing Crosby is also associated with, but I'm not sure I'm going to choose his version. Uh, I think I'm going to choose the Michael Bublé version. And that's his version of I'll Be Home for Christmas. And the one of the things that really stands out about this song, I was listening to it a few years ago and someone pointed out to me that the original meaning behind the song was that it was written from the perspective of a soldier overseas serving in World War II. And he's writing a letter to his family saying, I'll be home for Christmas, if only in my dreams. And I thought that was a very powerful um, image because when you listen to the lyrics of the song, you sense the longing, you hear the desperation in the voice to come back home and to be with the family at the holidays. And that's a very powerful thing, regardless of what holiday you celebrate. The desire just to that be snow with- and mistletoe and like, yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And of course, those lyrics are set up against this unbelievably beautiful melody that kind of just flows along, doesn't take any dramatic turns where you go from loud to soft or from major key changes from what I can tell, not that I'm a musicologist, just my sense of it. And it just, I love the way the, the melody goes, if only in my dreams, it's such a pretty yep. song. It's so, so freaking good every time I hear it. It doesn't matter what version you listen to. It just lends itself to, again, different artists doing their own interpretation. So, yeah, I love it. Is it weird that, um, I mean, when you're in wintertime, like the nights are longer for sure. Like it starts getting dark, like around five o'clock, but like that is a song that I associate like nighttime sitting by the tree. Like if it's like 12 o'clock in the afternoon and I'm driving, that song comes on. Like I'm not really in the mood for it, yes. but like after I'm done running all my errands and I'm just sitting in the living room, it's like, it's a good night song. Is that, am I kind of weird by saying that? But um, that's what I, like, I'm just. You are, you are not weird. And I think the reason you say that it makes total sense to me is that one of the lyrics in the songs is presence by the tree. And when we think about presence by the tree, we don't necessarily think of a tree not being lit. We think of a tree at night with the lights on that to me is at least what comes to mind. So that, that, we may be on the same wavelength there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When I listen to that song, I completely agree. I feel like I need to be next to a lit Christmas tree with a fireplace going, maybe in like a wood paneled type of room with a glass of brandy or something. Like that's the kind of, you know, with the, it's dark outside, the snow is coming down. Like that's the kind of, that's the kind of uh, image you have to have in your head for that. It's a great song though. And I agree with Michael Bublé. I love his version. It's yeah. Really the Bublé good. version is great. Uh, I, I was talking to Joe recently. There's a big ad in the print version of the New York Times a couple of weeks ago, huge full page ad advertising his Christmas album, which came out in 2011. Yeah. And it said in the ad that it was the best selling Christmas mm -hmm. album of the 21st century, which I believe I it's a, mm -hmm. it's a everywhere you look at Christmas that that album is there. Yeah. Um, so, guys, we did four songs each 
And that's what we intended to do. Do you want to just mention without getting into the details, we'll give one more track kind of like an honorary mention, because I feel like there's some songs yeah. which we, we should be on there, but. So I have like 50 of them, but yeah, me too. I, I wasn't sure we we're going to do a fifth one because I was yeah. going to, what your answer, Scott, was going to change my mind depending on what you said. So you didn't say what I thought you were going to say. So I have to do it. Go ahead. Being big rock and roll, 1960 people. I don't know how we haven't mentioned the Beach Boys tonight. Yes, that was one of them that I was th- okay. I, was of, I actually was thinking of that too. Yeah, but um, Little Saint Nick. I kind of like put Slash, Little Saint Nick, Man with All the Toys. They're the first two tracks on the album. Yeah, uh, I kind of put them together, but uh, just just a classic, fun pop rock and roll song from '63, '64, somewhere in there, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Just there, that whole album, by the way, is just fantastic. The um, Brian does a great version uh, arrangement of "I'll Be Home for Christmas" on that album as well yes really the vocals like. are just phenomenal yeah mm-hmm. that's a great it's great yeah but um, great choice yeah, we'll say nick i gotta give a mention to that it's a great christmas song it's a perfect song i think it's under two minutes it's like the perfect pop oh. song i love the, the intro it's kind of like the little deuce coop actually yes. when you think about it like with that little drum snare you know at the start but totally awesome joe what do you got i i also have 50 different songs that i could pick right now and it's killing me to even just pick one i i guess i i could say um you know i could say maybe it's cold outside by dean martin but i think if i'm gonna pick one i i will say michael buble's version of uh baby please come home yeah christmas baby please come home but the michael buble version is my my favorite version of that mm-hmm. um so i'll say that i just think that's a really great interpretation of the song with and you know i'm not a huge michael buble fan but i really do like him and and the songs that he puts out so that i definitely is one of my go-to songs great baby i love that track i was gonna be one of mine i didn't want to get too controversial or anything on it but like man that song is so great oh, it's a great song yeah and i, I like michael buble's version of that actually with uh adina menzel i believe um, yes great video for that song this kind of like 1930s setting a uh, video for yep. that. that's that's awesome um i'll mention one and uh I think it's a good song to conclude on because it's such a standard uh, and that is the Christmas song. And I'm going to go with the Nat King Cole version. Oh, yeah. yep. Kind of have, right? have to. I mean, this song, we talk about holiday songs being able to be done by so many different artists and the Christmas song just off the top of my head. Yeah. The Nat King Cole version. I know Justin Bieber does a good version of it. And mm-hmm. then just the other day, last Friday, they had Sean Mendes and Camilla Cabello doing a duet of it. And of course there's, Sinatra and Tony Bennett and I mean every artist you can think of instrumental versions I'm sure too exactly it's a great song written by Mel Torme it just captures what the holidays are about it is beautiful and the reason I chose the Nat King Cole version is because one I think it's the best known version and two I love I love his vocal but really the ending on that track where he goes Merry Christmas to you and then it goes yes it's just like so perfect so melodic so lush it's just Brilliant. I have a video. This is so random, but when you were just saying like Merry Christmas, it made me think of um I have to ask my dad if he can pull up the VHS, but it's like it was like the Lakers and the Pistons. I'm a big Pistons fan. And like in the 80s, like that was a big rivalry, not as big as the Celtics Lakers, but it was still a pretty good one. And they were playing over like Christmas or whatever. And they're in the locker room interviewing players who sing Christmas songs. And Magic Johnson, who's from my hometown here, huh? sings a version of that. And it is it is fantastic. <laughs> And like I tried to YouTube it, I can I can never find it. So I gotta I gotta go to my dad's house, find that VHS. I'm gonna upload it to YouTube. It'll probably go viral. But Magic I John- would love to see that would, video. That would be unbelievable to see. I but want that for the holidays. James Worthy does some crazy versions of songs. Like it is it is a really funny little like news segment. Um, I'll have to dig that up and send it to you guys. That's awesome. Definitely. I would love to see that. Thank you, Scott. And I, I guess, guys, even though we got a lot more, the playlist has to end somewhere. I think we're probably looking at an hour-long playlist here, give or take, which is a perfect length. And uh, this has been a lot of fun. I love these music playlist episodes. They not only like reinforce my own love of music, but they give me so many great ideas. It's awesome. Yeah, they're great. Now I have to go and get all these songs. <laughs> Be up to the wee small hours making this playlist. <laughs> uh, but uh, if you guys want to share with us what's on your holiday playlist, write to us, stuff we love podcast at gmail.com. Tweet us at stuff we love pod. Uh, love to see what's on your list. So this is this is good stuff. Um, 
And now, guys, what we'll do is we'll turn it over to uh, the Stuff We Love segment. This is where tonight Scott, Joe, and I are going to give you a recommendation for something we've been enjoying recently. And we've given you a whole bunch of recommendations already tonight, so we might as well keep the party going. Scott, we'll start with you, my friend. What do you got? All right. So I may be a little bit behind on this one. Um, And as you know, I'm a Disney fan. You know, I love my ABC shows. And I've been... Um, starting the Goldbergs, um, that okay. comic that's kind of based on like a family in the 1980s, um, like the creator of it. I think it's kind of based on like s- stories of events of his life because in the end credits, will kind of show like some home videos of his childhood growing up. It's it's great for like any fan of the 1980s, basically. You know, there's some great pop culture references in there. You know, like Ghostbusters music or whatever it is. Um, it's, it's a really funny show. Uh, I've been enjoying it. There, I think there's like seven or eight seasons. So I just started it. So I'm way behind obviously on it, but my wife and I have been kind of watching, you know, two or three episodes a night before we go to bed and I'm um, having some good laughs. So really been enjoying that. That's a great choice. Um, I heard phenomenal things about that show. Have you not watched it yourself then? Scott? I've not, not seen it. So, uh, I may, you know, I, I've really enjoyed watching a lot of TV in, in 2020, like a lot of people, and that could be added to my list. So that's good. So I'm watching it. Um, I don't think you have Hulu anymore. I think you and I talked. No, about I, I do. Have, I don't have Hulu live, but I have regular Hulu where you okay. can get the and that, content. And that's where I'm on. getting it from is on Hulu right now. So, right. but yeah, it's, it's, it's a funny show. It's a episodes are quick, you know, 20, 22 minutes, but uh, there's some good laughs in each one and you'll love the references. Very cool. Love that choice. Thank you, Scott. Yep. Joe, how about you? Uh, okay, so I'll keep it with the Christmas theme, actually. Something that I've been watching rel- really recently is Dash and Lily on Netflix, which is a uh, Christmas-themed romantic comedy type show. Uh, you know, it's it's like, a, in, in, it's like a teenage comedy, a romantic comedy where these two kids are, they're kids, they're two teenagers are trying to, uh, you know, find each other and find love. And it follows two simultaneous stories. So it follows the two characters, Dash and Lily, as they go about their lives trying to find each other. Each episode is only uh, 25 minutes or so, which is perfect. And, uh, you know, for what it is, and it's really, it's a feel good kind of comedy. You laugh a lot. And uh, it really is just has that, that good Christmas feel to it too, because it's all about liking Christmas and why Christmas is great as well. So so, so yeah, Joe Dash and Lily, I uh, would love to watch that show. That's on my list. I added it to Netflix, uh, my queue. Uh, it looks fun. looks like a good show and, and perfect for this time of year. It's a perfect show for you, Scott. You'll like it a lot. Okay, cool. So my stuff we love. I think you guys are going to love this because we're all music fans. I watched last night this documentary on HBO uh, all about the Bee Gees that premiered this past Saturday night. It's called the Bee Gees, How Can You Mend a Broken Heart? It was close to a two-hour documentary about the, the group. And I loved it. I just absolutely loved it. First off, the performance footage was great. A lot of stuff that I had never seen before. And I just, I mean, it was, it was sad because three of the four Gibb brothers are gone now. But uh, it made you realize just how much of an impact they had on music. Because they were there in the 60s, part of the... London scene with the Beatles and everything associated with that. And they had a lot of hits during that time. And then what they're best known for in the seventies is the, you know, the Saturday night fever soundtrack and a lot of the other stuff, but there's so much more than that. They really were tremendous as well as the hits that they wrote for other artists. They, they really are one of the greatest groups of all time in popular music. And I feel like they sometimes get overlooked when we go to the stones and the Beatles and Zeppelin and all that stuff. To me, the Bee Gees are right there in the discussion. And of course, Barry Gibb, his vocal abilities were second to none, as well as Robin Gibb was a great vocalist and Morris, what he added to the group, just they're phenomenal. And uh, I love this documentary. So it's on demand now. You can check it out. That's the Bee Gees. How can you mend a broken heart? That's awesome. I'm looking forward to that. Um, I'm glad they went with that song as like the name of the documentary. I thought you were going to say the Bee Gees staying alive. No. (laughs) And like, I was like, oh, sweet. They went with something else. And it probably fits the story a little bit better too by using that title. But it does. Yeah, it does. And um, I, when I think about, we could probably do a 70s playlist episode that would fit in well with our 60s. I'll tell you right now, one of the songs I would absolutely put on there is How Deep Is Your Love by the Bee Gees. That is one of the most perfect songs in pop history. It's so great. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're fantastic. A lot of great instrumental versions of that song too, like elevator music, and yes. <laughs> like I hear, I'm sort of, oh, like, yeah. I'm in an office building or a doctor's office. I hear that song all the time, all the time. It's a standard. But uh, 
That's the show for tonight, guys. Uh, Scott, I'd uh, like to give you an opportunity to tell our listeners where they can find you on social media. Yeah, um, you can find me on Twitter and the Instagram or whatever that's called. I, um, I'm Epscott. It's E-P-S-C-O-T. It's kind of like Epcot, but a play on my name. So yeah, you can find me there. Great. And uh, I would like to give a plug to the episode, Scott, that you've been on for the Be Our Guest podcast, which is a wonderful Walt Disney World podcast. You've done some trip reports on there recently. And um, they're great. They're informative and a lot of fun. So uh, our listeners should check hashtag Scotty G, right? That's the hashtag, uh, that's what that's what the host of that show calls me. He calls me. It's an inside story on a cruise we took a couple of years ago. But uh, yep, I picked up the nickname hashtag Scotty G. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Nice. And uh, I'll tell everyone where they can find the Stuff We Love podcast online. We are on Twitter at Stuff We Love Pod, Instagram Stuff We Love Podcast. Our website is stuffwelovepodcast.podbean.com. Uh, you could write to us, stuffwelovepodcast.gmail.com, and uh, check out our YouTube channel. I hope to have some more content up there in 2021. We just right now have audio from our episodes, as well as some older videos as well, including that 98 Degrees Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas video I, I talked about earlier. But uh, thank you guys for being here tonight. This has been a lot of fun, as always. Absolutely. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. And we'll go around the table one more time. So I am Scott. I'm Joe. And I'm Scott. And this has been the Stuff We Love podcast.